Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, our hosts look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words. Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to build a space between a hard place and a rock is all we do. But we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name is Ryan Placetti, and I'm here to disentangle you from the Gordian knot of the Internet's bullshit. And I'm CJ. Good to be back enjoying a nice bourbon on this toasty December night in my closet. Is it toasty because you live in South Carolina or is it toasty because you keep your closet hot? It's toasty because I work hard and can run my heat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to point out that I'm. I can only see one wall of CJ's closet, but it looks better organized than my bedroom. Uh, We aren't going to look at the bedroom. Possibly bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fun fact, we bought a house from a family. Well, the original family had six girls in this house. So there's like hidden bedrooms practically in this house. And I got a closet (laughs) for one of them. So here's that. I've got a house that was built in 1940 when people had like four outfits. So we have no closet space. I could probably fit all of my closets inside of your closet. Your closet has a window, CJ. We're highfalutin over here. (laughs) We definitely are not. But speaking of skullduggerous places where highfalutin people are not welcome, I like to spend time on a certain subreddit called r slash conspiracy. I like where this is going. You go there for the UFOs and Bigfoot, but you end up sticking around for the Donald Trump fans screaming about the election with what I can only describe as spurious news sources. (laughs) No, that's the truth, Ryan. Everything else is fake news. I'd know that if I'd signed up for Donald Trump's proprietary social media service, (laughs) Truth Social. (laughs) So this is posted by user Lopsided Ride 6672. I'm not sure why it's lopsided. I assume he's riding around in some sort of a motorcycle with a sidecar. Fair. Uh, And he writes, it's pretty obvious that there are thousands of people from other subs who come here every day and just downvote every single post. So this is I I like this one because I, I call it the conspiracy turducken because it's a conspiracy about a conspiracy forum. Yeah, I like that. And me personally, while I don't have the time to do that, I commend somebody that does. It's a lot of work, but it's inevitable anytime you you find a political post on r slash conspiracy and there are an absolute shit ton since I'm not going to name any names, but somebody started pointing fingers about the 2020 election and that person's <laughs> that person's followers who are easily identified by their red hats and hidden swastika tattoos. I'm just I'm just kidding about the hidden swastika tattoos, but we'll get back to racism later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a, there's a lot of good people out there who support Donald Trump for terrible, terrible reasons. And I don't just mean terrible as in morally evil, which there are definitely some people who support him for morally evil reasons. I'm just talking about bad reasons. Uh, you live in South Carolina, so you undoubtedly have friends who voted for Donald Trump. Oh, absolutely. You have to segment it in your brain from people that grew up a certain way that like 
as bad as it sounds, can afford to vote for vote for Donald Trump and the people that are just idiots. (laughs) (laughs) User lopsided ride uh, clarifies that many other subs that are way smaller and receive way less activity will receive upwards of 10x more upvotes than this sub. In other words, on, on Reddit, everything that is deemed good by the users, you just click a little up arrow. And if you think it's bad, you vote it down. Things with the most up arrows move to the top of the forum and things that have the least up arrows move to the bottom. Uh, so over time. So wait, wait, wait. But time out. If he's concerned about downvotes, doesn't everything just have the same amount of downvotes and everything just gets pushed up naturally? Uh, no. Ah. I mean, that, that I, I, that is that is an obvious that is an obvious <laughs> critique of what he's complaining <laughs> about. So I guess, yes, because if somebody shows up and downvotes every single topic and there's 100,000 people that downvote every single topic, then the topic that has two upvotes is the one that gets to be at the top. <laughs> it's the best one. Um, (laughs) uh, he continues and there are many people who don't believe any conspiracies at all who can be seen making snide comments everywhere on this sub so I I just want to be absolutely clear it's called r slash conspiracy it doesn't say r slash conspiracy believers like you could just be interested in conspiracies exactly that doesn't mean you have to believe the conspiracies you're interested in like I enjoy watching Netflix documentaries about conspiracies does not mean that I believe them. It's just fun. That's right. Then they say, so to all you weirdos who come here to just downvote everything, then there are three questions. The first is why, if you don't like conspiracy theories, then stop bringing negative to your life by reading them. Mm. (sighs) I mean, brings me great joy to shit on people's weird beliefs. (laughs) (laughs) and it brings me great joy to pretend like i don't secretly shit on people's weird beliefs so there's kind of a conspiracy there too but only in the sense that i'm i'm keeping a secret that i don't want anybody else to know except for all of the internet listening to this which is like nobody if you downvote it and you just ask slightly snide remarks where the people are like oh he's genuinely interested but then in your own brain, you're like, I'm owning everybody in here. That's even better. Nobody even knows that I downvoted this. <laughs> Nobody is aware. And then you report to the Russian high commander, whoever it is in ch- that's in charge of, you know, Internet conspiracies. How do you even have the free time to do this anyway? Uh, you know what? That's that, that's a question we could ask about this podcast. And the answer is I don't. <laughs> and also, who's he to say if somebody has free time, if he's this concerned? about a reddit for him like he's got free time how do you have free time (laughs) (laughs) oh man i i like i said i don't this this podcast eats up all the free time i have that isn't spent ferrying kids to karate and doing my actual job we both have children (laughs) there's no such thing as free time there's there's kid time and there's time that you're neglecting your own sleep (laughs) <laughs> or your own kids to produce a podcast. True, true. <laughs> uh, then they say if you have to, if you have anger to take out, buy a punching bag. That's actually great advice. Yeah, I like that. Like point the third there. Great advice. Yeah, that's fine. So here's my take on why a large subreddit such as our conspiracy has fewer upvotes than much smaller communities, and it's pretty simple. When you join r slash conspiracy, you're just expressing an interest in conspiracies. As I said before, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that you believe conspiracies. Second of all, I would like to point out that conspiracies, by their very nature, are inherently unpopular. They are a minority-held belief that goes against the mainstream narrative. And because of that, just because I, an r slash conspiracy user, and this is hypothetical, just because I believe in Bigfoot, it doesn't mean that I believe in UFOs, the Illuminati, or Donald Trump's 2020 victory. Uh, I saw a UFO once there. Oh, well, there you go. So (laughs) what do you believe in Donald Trump's 2020 victory? Do not believe that. Carry on. <laughs> there you go. You would downvote that post, even though even though like you as a conspiracy believer, having seen a UFO. And by the way, we will get back to that. <laughs> are not living on such a faraway planet that you don't know that Donald Trump lost the election in 2020. <laughs> fair, fair. All valid points. <laughs> Before we move on to this next topic, tell me about your UFO experience, CJ. I'll see if I can disprove it. No, I saw one in the mountains. I saw one in Blairsville. I used to live in Blairsville, so... It was when I was getting hazed by my fraternity. Uh, it was after... An, you were getting blazed with your fraternity, got it. Yep. After after one of our our nights, as we called them, where it was when I was 17 and subjecting myself to push-ups in the woods. After okay. that, we were all riding back to the campus. And There's no appropriate place to do push-ups, by the way. No, there isn't. Push-ups are a physical fitness lie. <laughs> And this is a conspiracy theory in its own right, but all you're doing is pushing the earth further and further away from the sun. It's a fool's game. It is. It is. And it even it makes my decisions even dumber, even though I have some of the best friends that I have from that. <laughs> it's dumb. Uh, we were coming back to the college and just riding, listening to music. And I looked over and mind you, it's like 2 a.m. in the mountains. It's dark. Uh-huh. You can attest to how dark it is. Uh, Yeah, the mountain gets dark. The mountain gets dark. Um, So I look over and there is no. I I grew up near Hartsfield Airport, so I know what like a plane light looks like. And I look over and what you would assume would be like a low flying plane, like the the like undercarriage light on a low flying plane but way closer closer than it should be, especially in the mountains. And I looked over and there is zero way for me to prove this as is every story like this. I look over, Uh see the light and I turn back around to say, Hey, what the fuck is that? And I look back over and it's gone. So I, I guess I have two questions. Yes. Number one, how much alcohol had you consumed that night? None because I was the one getting hazed. Oh, you're not allowed to drink. You just have to do push-ups. Yeah, it's like all physical shit. There's no drinking involved. That was the only thing that made the army bearable was that even though I had to do push-ups, I was also allowed to get blackout drunk whenever. And and so, like, I am a hundred percent aware. I'm not going to be the person like, no, nah, I swear I saw one. It's like there's zero things that I can say to say, hey, this is proven true. But I, it's like one of the most vivid memories in my brain. Here's the thing. You can see a UFO without it being a conspiracy. True. The U in UFO means unidentified. True. All you're telling me is that you saw something in the sky that you could not identify. You're not attributing it to aliens. It's not a and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to specify an Old Testament angel as no. opposed to a New Testament angel because no. New Testament angels, you put them on top of your Christmas tree. Old Testament angels, you put them in your nightmares. Exactly. No, this is. <laughs> 
This was it's not like, a vengeful spirit. It's like spirit. six wings and 17 glowing eyes. Like, I'm not going to be like, he tried to take me. It's like, no, I saw a weird ass light in the sky that went away fast. I, I think the conclusion that we're landing on here, or at least the conclusion that I'm proposing, is that it's not obvious that there are thousands of people from other subs who come here every day just to downvote every single post. But it's more likely that the call is coming from inside the house. It's just other conspiracy theorists who don't like your fucking conspiracies. Yeah, they're like, I'm sorry. It's the meme. It's the meme. The guy just clicking trash, <laughs> trash, <laughs> trash. <laughs> That's not Bigfoot. I'm done. That's not Bigfoot. I'm done. <laughs> Wait, Bigfoot voted in 2020? Click. Uh, upvote. Upvote. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So I've got another topic that I wanted to touch on. Matt and I had actually tried to do this topic about a year ago. It was it was actually going to be episode 15 of this show. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a 60 episode cool down period before I felt like I could actually tackle this topic. And part of the reason was is that um, there are a lot of Internet rumors, conspiracies, etc., that revolve around racism. And here's the here's the truth about racism. It's real. It exists. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But what what brought this topic, what made it resurface for me was that uh, this past week, our federal government effectively squashed a railway strike. So railroad workers were, you know, they were striking for additional benefits and, and basic comforts of work. And it reminded me of this topic, which actually has its origins in a railroad strike. Uh, in fact, not just a railroad strike, but the great railroad strike of 1877. Long story short, in 2021, it blew up on Twitter that Ellie Kemper, the actress who starred in The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix, was in fact a KKK princess or a variation of that theme. She had won a KKK beauty pageant. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> you know, KKK beauty pageants are not as cool as you would think. Not at all. <laughs> I've never attended one, so maybe I'm judging it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm showing a, a form of prejudice in my own right. I've never attended one, but I've gone to bars in places that I probably shouldn't have gone to bars in. And I can just imagine. Like Fannin County? Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I can just imagine what those are like. <laughs> One of the perks of living in Blairsville is constantly having the the clan in Fannin County trying to adopt the highway into town, which, if you're running a small business, is not something you want to happen. No, because not nothing at all. says, hey, come stop and shop with us. Like, hey, the clan cleaned all the trash up here. <laughs> Driving up the KKK highway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, thanks. The one main artery to where the business is, is the KKK highway. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea here is that Ellie Kemper won a KKK beauty pageant. And that's not strictly speaking what actually happened. So like I said, the the claim went viral in, in 2021. Strictly speaking, and this is me just telling you the the listener the audience uh, and CJ's your stand in here. You can you can just nod in agreement or grunt. Ellie Kemper is not a KKK princess, nor did she participate in a KKK beauty pageant. So we just dis- disproved the whole conspiracy from the front. But there is backstory. There is backstory. And, you know, it's true because a white guy told you that it wasn't racist. 
But here's the thing. It might have been a little bit racist. (laughs) The revelation was that she took part in an event that was put on by a St. Louis based group called the Veiled Prophet Organization. And I know that name sounds weird, but hang on. It gets weirder. (laughs) You're probably asking yourself, hey, what is the Veiled Prophet Organization? Um, It was a social organization founded in 1878 by wealthy St. Louis. Uh, and, and amongst those founders was a former Confederate officer. And, and the basic shtick here is that each year, one member of the organization is chosen to serve anonymously as the Veiled Prophet of Coruscant to preside over the Veiled Prophet Ball, which is a kind of debutante ball where the daughters of members are presented to the organization. Uh, the women are escorted by prominent businessmen, and then five are chosen by the Veiled Prophet to be the special maids of honor and the Veiled Prophet's court of honor. And one of them is crowned Queen of Love and Beauty. In 1999, the winner of that weird pseudo marriage was one Elizabeth Claire Kemper, a.k.a. Ellie Kemper, star of the hit Netflix series, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. (laughs) I provided for you, CJ, and this is something I can throw up on social media, an image from that day. You see a 19-year-old Ellie Kemper with a... You know, a, a, a sensible bob haircut smiling at some children. And in the background, you can see two men dressed vaguely like Indian men holding polearm weapons. Mm-hmm. These are the Bengali Lancers who serve as the protective entourage of the failed prophet of Coruscant. Uh, basically, this is some, uh, I, I think, what do they call it? Some white people bullshit. This is actual literal cultural appropriation. Like we have a lot of like white people getting in trouble for making burritos in a professional capacity. But this is this is actual literal cultural appropriation. It's just white guys dressed as Indian guys holding lances to protect a a mysterious Eastern prophet who's actually just a white guy in a mask. There are two ounces of face paint away from being very wrong. Well, we'll get to the face paint. (laughs) Uh, There's been 140 years for these guys to slow their roll. I guarantee you the face paint was part of the process at some point. I don't have any proof or evidence, but I can 100% guarantee you these motherfuckers were in face paint. At least in the past. So I've got a couple images here. These are actual woodcuts from... um, the very first veiled prophet parade. So the parade's kind of a big part of this thing. So you'd have this debutante ball and then the veiled prophet would be part of a, a, a major parade. So in, in this woodcut, what you see is a horse drawn parade float on it is a giant, like a, a, like a giant looks like a statue of a veiled figure holding up a scroll in one hand and then some sort of uh, mirror or shield with an all-seeing eye on it. On the front of the uh, float, there's another all-seeing eye. The organization's borrowing heavily from like the notion of uh, like the Freemasons. Mm-hmm. So it's that it's that whole like the trappings of a secret society, etc. And at the front of the float, you can see two men in costumes with like feathery headdresses holding spears. Those would have been your Bengali lancers. So they are there from the absolute beginning, from the looks of it. Um, and then there's various people holding torchlights. Uh, we'll just call them tiki torches, uh, even though they look nothing like t- tiki torches. They look like the, you know, the uh, old school uh, flashes from like the 1800s where it's like poof, and there's a puff of smoke. It yep. looks like that. But these are clearly just white guys walking down the street uh, dressed in medieval garb uh, holding torches. Yep. Uh, and, and then a police officer pushing everybody away from the floats. 
<laughs> then on the next page, I have another image. This is also from 1878. It was published by the Missouri Republican. Uh, surprise. <laughs> and <laughs> this is kind of the image where people look at it and they say, oh, my God, that's a Klansman. Kind of clanny. Uh, yeah. So actually, like for some my visualization of the Klan, I went to an all black elementary school in Atlanta. We went to the Civil Rights Museum. And something that burned in my brain was a clan outfit. And so looking at this image is like, yeah, he's got the little cone head. Uh, he's mm-hmm. got the the little patches on there. And like, it's like a shitty karate costume. <laughs> and, and he's got a couple guns. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, very clanny. Yeah. It, so, it, yeah, it's got a conical hat. And the, you can see that the hat actually has like stars on it, like a wizard. And then so it, it, it feels very clan adjacent. But there's certainly a dagger and two guns. He's got a pistol, a rifle and a dagger. <laughs> yeah. Like this is not a man of peace. Like he came, he came here to fuck shit up. Yeah, he means harm. <laughs> so this is uh, at least partly inspired by the mystic crew of Comus which is the group responsible for Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. The parade and the ball, uh, ball were both originally held in October, but then the ball was moved to the Friday before Christmas and the parade and fair celebration, uh, once called the Ve- uh, Veiled Prophet Fair and Veiled Prophet Parade, are now called the Fair St. Louis and America's Birthday Parade. So they've kind of moved things around. They've done a little bit of rebranding over time, but it's still the same origin with this uh, with this group. And the the whole thing there, like I said, was uh, imitating the the Mardi Gras structure. And we have something similar where I live in uh, the Philadelphia area. They have the Mummers Parade on New Year's Day, which also has deeply racist roots. (laughs) Um, It it started off as like uh, as a carousing thing. And until the 1960s, blackface was super common. To be absolutely honest, uh, some of the parade groups are actually still a little bit mad that they can't wear blackface. Of course they are. It's well, it's tradition. What are you going to do? Exactly. I can't just wear it. It's not hate. It's right. And, (laughs) you know, they let them wear purple face, which is completely different. Like you can still wear purple face, but that's not black enough for some of these guys. They're like, well, purple's good, but wouldn't black be better? It's the same people that get mad that Little Mermaid is brown, even though it's a mythical creature. I'm actually offended that she's half fish because that means somebody fucked a fish. (laughs) In our local Philadelphia tradition, there's also a cross-dressing tradition. Don't get me wrong. I am huge into drag, but they're cross-dressing as whores and coming from the same people who are also doing blackface. I'm like, "Eh." it doesn't have that same positive vibes only that drag has. Did you ever go to the possum drop for New Year's and... Brasstown, North Carolina, with the womanless beauty pageant. No, I did not. Ah, missed opportunity. Is it fun and positive vibes? I will say it's fun and positive vibes if you go into it knowing that you're in the middle of absolute nowhere watching a possum get lowered from a box instead of an actual New Year's ball. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not. You haven't lost me yet. I, I, it's the, it's probably one of the things I miss most about the mountains and Jess will never go back because I took her once and she was looking at her phone and it was well past midnight before they started counting down. And she's like, I'm never coming. Eh, here again. Shit happens. <laughs> but, <laughs> shit happens. But yes, womanless beauty pageant took me there. Yeah, I would definitely do the possum drop. Uh, so anyway, uh, as far as all this stuff goes, um, you know, on the surface, there doesn't seem to be. 
uh, aside from the cosmetics of the Veiled Prophet, there doesn't seem to be anything necessarily clan-like or clan-tied to it. Um, until you realize that the original celebration, and this brings us back to what got me on the topic, was that the original parade was intended to commemorate the end of the Great Railroad Strike of 1877, which was a major labor dispute that spanned the industrial centers of the East Coast and Midwest. In St. Louis, the strike started in the rail yard, uh, but sympathetic like political parties and other workers joined the effort uh, and, and creating America's first general strike. Uh, they effectively ground the gears of the city to a halt. Uh, rich people were literally filling their bathtubs and sinks with water because they were afraid the workers were going to cut off their water supply. It was a nasty, nasty conflict. And uh, the, the strikers effectively took control of the city for a week. And it wasn't until the governor appealed for assistance and 3000 federal troops showed up bolstered by 5000, what they're calling special deputies marched in to break up the strike. So I think it's important to note that special deputies, I, I like in my notes, I have it in quotations because if you are familiar with the various labor disputes and race riots of the early 20th century. Uh, the, the Tulsa massacre was featured pretty heavily in two HBO series uh, a couple years ago. There was a similar uh, there was a similar massacre in East St. Louis. A lot of those events were driven by racism obviously and economics so mm -hmm. so so it, it's really hard for me to separate the racial components of labor disputes in the early in the early 20th century and the late 19th century from just a regular labor dispute mm -hmm. um not to mention that the clan itself was anti-north anti-labor much much like the south now <laughs> exactly exactly uh, <laughs> it's kind of ironic that the clan were who they are an intimidation factor, a lot of times used by the government, uh, for the people that are now that use the tyranny of the government to e explain away their actions. It's like, hey, you're the people that they would call if they wanted to, like, actually do something. Like, the oh three yeah, that, that's just it. When it. The three percenters. Yeah, it, the, like those those mother those motherfuckers love <laughs> watching cops beat up on poor people and minorities and drug addicts. They love that shit. Oh, love it. But Absolutely. They, Back to blue. But they hate they hate it when you tax their speedboats. It's <laughs> it's fucking insane. <laughs> the overall strike lasted for about a month and a half across you know in various forms across the uh, across the country. Over 100 protesters died, and at least 18 of those were in the St. Louis clash. And it was it ultimately it was ended by federal troops bolstered by private militia groups. Hmm. The Klan <laughs> happens to be something of a private militia group. And get this, the, the actual parade itself, the parade route didn't go through like downtown. It went through the working class neighborhoods. Uh, nothing like a little intimidation. Right. When you start talking about like the way the Klan operated, the Klan would go into spaces where black people lived and harass them. Mm -hmm. There were lynchings, but it was mostly like, I'm going to scare the shit out of them. Like that. It also is worth mentioning here that the actual uniform that we think of as the Klan uniform 
didn't really come about until uh, the the 1920s or so mm-hmm. uh, after the success of uh, Birth of a Nation. So Birth of a Nation was a blockbuster hit film about how great the Klan is and how awful black people are. Mm-hmm. Like that that was that was the general. It, it was so it was such a big hit. Uh, President Wilson showed it in the White House. <laughs> That movie featured uh, various iterations of the Klan outfit and it was actually based on a play, by the way. So it was like it was like an off Broadway hit that turned into a hit film adaptation, which turned into <laughs> a national phenomenon, which turned into a recruiting campaign for the Ku Klux Klan. Also, that's a dumb name. We have to acknowledge that. That's a really dumb name. Ku Klux Klan? Yes. Well, it was kind of uh, my understanding is that it was kind of a joke because it's uh it's 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 a mispronunciation of the word kuklos, which means circle. So it's literally the circle club. Yep. So it, it comes from the Greek, but it's still dumb as shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the fact that this doesn't look like what we consider to be a clan outfit doesn't mean that it wouldn't have been recognized as a clan outfit at the time. Yeah. So I guess if if we're talking about whether there were Klan members who helped put down that general strike in St. Louis, I don't have any evidence to suggest that that's true. However, I am 100% certain that there were at least some Klan members who were involved in smashing that labor dispute. Statistically speaking, it had to have happened. Um, so the other thing about the about the clan is uh, early clan members would dress in absurd costumes, and that served two functions. One, pretty obviously, it concealed the identity of the people actually terrorizing black people, Jewish people, Catholics, and you know the rest of them. There's a whole group of people that that the, that the clan's just like, no, nah, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they're dicks. Um, but it also provides cover for authorities to dismiss their antics as absurd because it's just like, oh, well, you can't take that guy seriously. Uh, like, you remember the QAnon shaman? Yeah. The QAnon, the QAnon shaman helped storm the United States Capitol and access the and got all the way into the Senate chambers. And yeah, he looks like a fucking buffoon. But as soon as conservative pundits realized that they could side with the insurrectionists, the fact that some dude was wearing a buffalo headdress was cited as proof that this was not a serious insurrection. That's one of the arguments is like it can't have been a serious insurrection. That guy was dressed like a buffalo. Yeah, these guys aren't racist. They're just dressed. They're dressed up like literal ghosts. <laughs> yeah, they're just out there having fun. <laughs> good old boys will be good old boys, as you know. So as far as the uh, the the Veiled Profit organization, if there's any question about whether or not it's a racist organization, they were only open to white members, uh, rich white members until 1979 when they Mm -hmm. integrated. So is Ellie Kemper a KKK princess? No, she's a queen of love and beauty chosen by the Klan inspired mascot of an organization with a long racist history. I, I think the real question is, to what extent can Ellie Kemper be held personally, individually responsible for the racist history of an organization that integrated a year before she was born that her family was a part of? I, I, I really don't think you can hold her to account too much for that, especially yeah. when you consider the fact that the event she took part in was uh, followed by an annual parade hosted by the fucking city. <laughs> It's easy to look at all the trappings, you know, the 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 Bengali lancers, the the guy dressed as a as a sparkling clansman. And by the way, these are shimmering like sequined costumes. Uh, it's like Mardi Gras clansmen. 
Exactly. And it's easy to look at all that and say, hey, that's racist. When you're living in ignorance and privilege, I think it's easy to miss those ugly truths. Oh, absolutely. And I also don't know that we can hold her to a higher standard than the 2012 GOP nominee for president or millions of other Mormons who attend a church that held the official position that black people couldn't hold leadership positions in the church and would have to behave themselves to turn white enough to get into heaven until 1978. (laughs) If we don't hold Mitt Romney accountable for his affiliation with a racist organization that remained segregated until he was 39 years old, we can't hold Ellie Kemper to a different standard. (laughs) Also, I'm not voting for Ellie Kemper for president, just like Mitt Romney. I mean, is it all that bad of an option there? I know we said this about The Rock, but is it worse than what we have now? Uh, Ellie Kemper (laughs) actually seems super nice, and she definitely apologized. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And and I will say that given all of given the, the geographic location of this and the timing, this is 2021. This is after a year of protest related to the murder of George Floyd in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the veiled prophet has retired, presumably back to the quote unquote Orient from which he came. They're and by like, the Orient, I mean wherever rich white people in St. Louis live. St. Louis said, maybe we shouldn't do this out in public now, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's the they're like, well, we we changed the name of the parade. Isn't that good enough? It's like, no, let's get rid of the let's get rid of the besequined Klansmen. <laughs> um I, I do wanna I do wanna end this episode on a slightly lighter note. Uh Cap, sometimes co-host Cap, actually sent me an image today and I'm like, I have to work this into the episode. And uh I'm I'm gonna let you describe this one and then we will discuss. Okay. Canned bald eagle. Um, so again, uh, for the listeners, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've gathered that I'm a black guy from the South, uh, but I'm one of the people that I wish you'd said that before we started the last segment, that would have really (laughs) paved the way for me. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I enjoy pre cooked canned meats, uh, spam Vienna sausages, love them. Wife hates them. I love them. So this seems great to me. I'm not opposed. This seems great to me. (laughs) So I I love the implication here that this is not just canned bald eagle meat. This is a canned bald Bald eagle. eagle. (laughs) Um, I looked into this and like, okay, can this be real? And my first instinct was no, um, because we have laws on the books for the last 80 years or so. Uh, in 1940, the bald eagle becomes protected in America. In America, you aren't even allowed to, unless you're a member of a specific Native American tribe for whom the bald eagle has religious significance, you are not even allowed to own a part of a bald eagle. I started looking into it. It's like, okay, well, definitely cannot, absolutely cannot be bald eagle meat from America. But there's bald eagles in Canada and Mexico. Canada has a very similar law. They're not uh, as stringent about owning individual parts, but they've actually got the, the largest bald eagle population and their laws are very strict about uh, hunting and taking from them. Uh, bald eagles do, however, range down into Mexico and I cannot find any information in English detailing the legal rights of bald eagles in Mexico. However, I have to assume that they are uh, that they are being protected because 
They are extraordinarily rare down there. And in fact, they were missing from parts of northern Mexico for a very long time and have been recently uh, spotted in there after being gone for decades. So I can't imagine that the Mexican government is like, oh, yeah, fucking shoot them. And let's make it and let's make it canned. (laughs) Let's let's shoot it and then can it. (laughs) So then I did the next logical thing and I Googled canned bald eagle. (laughs) It turns out. This is absolutely a real thing. And there are plenty of there are plenty of context clues on the can that we should have noticed. One is open only with adult supervision, which means this is not being marketed towards adults. It's being marketed towards children. And also these eagles have been known to lie in wait under your covers and snuggle you to sleep, which is the most ominous way to snuggle somebody to sleep is, is to wait. If I came home and there was somebody lying in wait in my bed waiting to snuggle me to sleep, I'd say, hey, wait a second. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, nobody should be lying in wait for you. <laughs> hey, Grandma, what big talons you have. <laughs> hey, Grandma, what a large beak you have. Hey, Grandma, what's that empty can? <laughs> <laughs> wait, are you a bald eagle? <laughs> Hey, listener, it's Ryan here breaking into your regularly scheduled podcast to let you know that as I was editing, I found out that I am missing the last four minutes of my audio. Fortunately, we'd already completed the topic, so we really didn't have all that much more to say. Probably too much. (laughs) And I, I do still have CJ's audio. If you hear him pop in, it's because he said all those things. It's just I may have said something different to him. So speaking of audio that you never want to go missing from an episode, how about the music of Rick Reynolds? He has been kind enough to give us the use of his song United from the album Portals in Progress, which you can find on Amazon, iTunes and Spotify. He's also got a YouTube channel. You can find him at Rick Reynolds on Instagram. Now, here's the part where I probably say to CJ, hey, CJ, do you want to tell these folks about your social media presence? And then he would say something like, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, you can follow me at Backyard Pitmaster SC for all the hot, smoky content. Uh, And that's about it. So over the last few months, I've been publishing mostly on a biweekly basis. And there have definitely been some episodes missed, which is not something that I love. However, uh, life, work and family are very time consuming. And right now I have a two year old who is a ball of chaos. So moving forward, at least for the next few months, I'm going to be maintaining a biweekly schedule and I'm moving the release date to Sunday, which by the numbers is probably the worst day to release a podcast because nobody almost virtually nobody commutes on Sunday unless you're listening to us on the way to church, which Sure, go for it, I guess. But this biweekly schedule is going to ensure that I'm landing our expected release dates. And it's also going to free up a little bit of time for me to start working on Patreon content. So we're going to be releasing a Patreon sometime in the very near future in the hopes of generating enough revenue for me to hire somebody to do it at the very least an initial editorial run on the on the show. I'm also planning to spend some of this time refreshing our branding and getting some merchandise out there and available for you, possibly through our Patreon. See how it all ties together. Additionally, some of the audio mishaps that you may have noticed over the last several episodes, which 
frankly, nothing, nothing really has changed. It's still me doing the editing, me doing all of the technical support, you know, and obviously sometimes I'm going to miss some things, but there have been some pretty screwy audio quirks lately, including this, uh, the, the, this little bit of missing footage. So another reason to go to a biweekly schedule is to limit the number of times that that audio hardware could potentially create a barrier between us recording an episode and you hearing an episode. I'll be sure to use this time to upgrade some of my hardware also. Additionally, if you're interested in supporting the podcast with your effort, consider this to be an open casting call. If you think you have something that could help us out, particularly behind the scenes, you can reach out to me at wreckyourpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on the various social media services at wreckyourpod, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, etc. So if between now and next week you find yourself wondering whether bald eagle is the most patriotic holiday dish or if you're just wondering where the hell the last four minutes of this show went we encourage you to check yourself don't wreck yourself we are united but we're so far apart